Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to be. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. You know, sometimes you step back and you wonder, how did you get here? How did we get caught in this wonderful, lucid, sublime situation and moment? How did we get caught in this hellish nightmare of a moment and situation? And often what we do is we, uh, we focus on the little thing. Like why Donald Trump had to declare a national emergency today. I'll be honest, folks. I don't care what it's for. I'm not happy about it. And it's not against the president of the United States necessarily that I'm unhappy. Though he's the one, if I'm looking at the short-term consequences and causes, he's the one that pulled the trigger on this national emergency. And I could look to blame the current Congress. But there are long-term forces at play. Long-term forces. I'll I'll give an example, a concrete example of what I'm talking about. And by the way, happy birthday, Mr. Seth Spotlow. Woo! Thanks, man. But don't you... How old are you, 35? 36. 36? Yeah, I feel like I'm going to live to be be about 70, so this is the first day of the last day. Beginning your 37th year, you're not going (laughs) to live to only 70. Unless some terrible accident, like a piano falls out of the sky and nails you like a Looney Tune. When is your time? It's your time. But I'm thinking we are part of the generation that will be uh, cyborgs. You're probably right. No, I think it's... I'm not joking, folks. And it's playing with fire. There's Well, but there's always downsides to things. But I think the more and more we learn about not only artificial intelligence, but the human body itself in particular, one of the greatest mysteries for science still, and it's been the greatest mystery for religion and mysticism and all sorts of things like that, is consciousness. I think the more we start to understand the brain... And it's not just in the brain, it's throughout the whole body. I think we'll develop methods of enhancing ourselves, so to speak. Hmm. But already there have been incredible advancements in prosthetics, like somebody loses a limb. We're coming up with new technologies, better technologies. So I don't know how... It's an old question. Like, Say you replaced almost every aspect of your body... Every aspect. Oh, you can guess which one I would start with first. <laughs> what part of my body. But, uh, and all that was left was the brain. And there are people trying to figure out, and these are crazy questions. Could you, knowing that this body, biological body, is going to die one day and wear out, could you somehow transport all your memories and your consciousness into a computer program, into software that could be uploaded and operated on all sorts of different types of hardware. So you are essentially eternal, at least an image of yourself is eternal. I was watching a documentary on this the other day, where can you imagine, like, I know you, not to bring you down on your birthday, (laughs) but your grandfather meant a lot to you. Yeah. Wouldn't it be... Part of it would be creepy, when I've thought about this. It would be creepy, but it also would be... I think comforting at times. Like this is why people visit grave sites and why they go to the cemetery to think about their loved ones. But imagine if you could fire up a computer program and they had mapped your grandfather, in my case, like my mother's brain and like every aspect of her memory and personality to where you could go to that program and talk to it. Okay. And I- ask it questions. Would you want that? Okay. 
Um, it wouldn't be them, but it would be like a, a simulation of them. Yeah, see, I think people are meant to die. You were, you were here, you're meant to go, you, you mm-hmm. do your time, and when it's time to go, you're just ready. You get that certain age, and it's just, you, you know it's time, and you're okay with it. Right. And uh, it would be okay if it was just a map, and there was no consciousness with it, because you're supposed to go. Right. And as long as it would be like something you could hit play. But what if it's such a good, right now, they're already doing something like that. Uh, in this documentary, essentially, the, it was that Morgan Freeman documentary mm-hmm. I've been talking about all week. It was Morgan talking to just a, a head, like a robotic head. And it's very crude. It's obviously a robot wouldn't pass any Turing test. But after he gets done talking to it, the woman it's actually modeled after walks out from behind the stage and starts talking to Morgan and with her husband. And they, this guy is so obsessed with... His wife is his world that she has agreed to be essentially a guinea pig to begin this. Can we create a copy of your consciousness in such a way that you never die, that we never die? Oh, man. Now, I tend to think, I don't know, and I doubt it, though, because consciousness is always changing. This is what I mean by all these forces that are unseen. But who knows, man? I mean, they may do it, and they do it, and then one day, it just, it it happens, you know? Right, but it's a poor, there's always, it's always a, a copy, and you know it's a copy. And it might be, oh, we got really close, where it's even indistinguishable from the person you know, but how would that software grow? How would it change? Would you allow it to? Evolve. Right. On and its own. so Skynet. You can look at... A first, you know, the first order cause, like, try to think, like, the this is the question of God. Like, what caused anything? What's the first prime mover? These sorts of things. But we tend to focus on the narrow cause and effect. Yeah. And I'll give a silly, though horrifying, nightmarish, for instance. It's a headline I saw the other day. Out of Atlanta, Georgia. A mother... 61 years old, was hanging out at home with her two sons. Not sure of their age, but if she's 61, I guess we can guesstimate. They might be 30, they might be in their 40s, who knows. And one of the brothers had to save the mother from a second-story window out of, I believe, her bedroom because the other son, who was drunk started having a fight with his 61-year-old mother, and the fight started over a box of Cheez-Its. She didn't want to give up the Cheez-Its, especially white cheddar Cheez-Its or those jalapeno Cheez-Its, the Tabasco Cheez-Its. Woo! Not worth killing your mom over, though. No, no, no. But apparently she wouldn't give up the Cheez-Its or something, and this drunk a-hole locked his brother and his mother in their Atlanta home and started dousing the outside of it with gasoline oh, good Lord. and set it on fire. Wow. Now, when I'm reading this, and I think most people who are astute would, would think, yeah, I don't think the real cause of him setting that house on fire was the Cheez-Its. <laughs> There's all sorts of things going on there. He's a drunk. He's probably an alcoholic. He's probably got a violent tendency and all sorts of resentment and animosity towards his own mother. I mean, he's... Why would you be an alcoholic in the first place? You see how, what I mean? Like, what's the actual cause of like that crazy event right there? And the news, and this is how the news works, oh, it was the Cheez-Its. Well, that's the stupid reason. That that's the, the trigger in that little snapshot. But if you can imagine that guy's life, what leads you to trying to, to kill your own family members? Like it, it's and so and it's hard. It like the- you're gonna, it's not linear. You're gonna have to like find all sorts of different things in this man's life that led him to that moment. And of course, you can't. I'm not saying this is what should be done in a court of law. The guy should be put in prison for a long time, if not the rest of his life, if not a mental institution. It was the last cheese straw. <laughs> <laughs> Never been a fan of cheese straws. Me they don't either. pack the same. Now, if Cheez-Its started making cheese straws, I'd eat those. That's what I was thinking, but I was like, the last straw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. But you see what I mean? is like, okay, and that's just one guy's life dealing with his own family members. 
When you talk about something like what's going on on Twitter these days, I was just reading a fascinating article about how it is nearly impossible to read a complex, intelligible conversation on Twitter because of the way Twitter works. Yeah. It doesn't work like even like Facebook works. It's not back and forth. It's not back and forth. It's not direct. That you can pull in, and this is what I mean by all sorts of different causes, and it's very difficult. Our minds don't work this way. Very few people's minds work this way. To where it's not, I'm talking to you like we're having this conversation. It's like, no, we're having this conversation, then somebody chimes in. We have that ability on radio. Somebody can call 272-9228, and they join in on the conversation. But imagine, number one, I can't stop them from coming on air. They call, they're on. And another person calls, and they're on. And then hundreds, if not thousands of people are reacting to this conversation all at once, and it gets all jumbled up together. It makes Twitter a crap show. It is very difficult, and then what happens is people will take that huge web of reactions and people trying to comment on what should be a two-way, maybe a three- or four-way conversation, and they'll take little snapshots of it and react to it. I am so freaking tired, folks, of the people on Twitter are saying article. It's just nonsense. Like, and I'm, I've tried starting to use Twitter a little more these days. I will use it for certain people. Like, I'm following Conrad Thompson. He's the host of Something to Wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. And he's now the creator of StarCast. Um, it's a kind of a wrestling conference that goes along with the new brand AEW wrestling oh. event. So they're doing StarCast 2 at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view in Las Vegas this May. Oh. And The Undertaker's going to be there. Oh. Uh, it's it's going to be fantastic. I wish I could go. You're going to have it? Is it going to be Yeah. Televised? If you want to watch yeah, uh, sure. Double or Nothing, the main event's AEW, already been announced. that's the new one, right? Yeah. Chris Jericho will be taking on Kenny cool. Omega. Yeah, It'll man. be Omega Jericho 2. They've already had one match, which was epic. It's an incredible match. So, yeah, you're welcome to come over and watch it. I'll make it, and I'm not getting stood up this time. Right. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't wait on a gal that you, you don't know is going to show up. Yeah. That's just lead. It can lead to disappointment. Oh, it's cool. You got to just go. Anyway, I follow, yeah. for instance, Conrad Thompson, because yeah. it's very discreet, and I don't try to interact with people a lot. I don't try to get into conversations on Twitter. I use it as sort of like, oh, there's a bulletin posted. That's more how I think of Twitter. It's like, oh, you're just posting bulletins all over the place. But the fact that the news media, which should be the source of sifting through all these complicated conversations we're having in politics and about culture, instead of being curators that sort of narrow it down in a responsible way, and here's the best thing to do. No, what they do is they encourage that crazy... Crap. Yeah, mob mentality. And they poke at it. And they play different extremes against one another. It's... I, I think it's a big part, and I would not have said this a week ago. I think Twitter is, a, in the way journalists use Twitter, is a big reason for why our politics is so polarized. It, it really is. Now, I have no problem... I know some people, Troy and I have had this discussion. Should the president be tweeting so much? Should politicians be like uh, Elon Omar, the new Muslim representative from Minnesota, was tweeted something and some reporter accosted her in the hallway. And she said, no, just look at my tweets. My tweet stands for what I think. I'm not doing any more comment. And people are asking, do we really want politicians tweeting? That's not the problem to me. It's more, can we find a forum where people actually sit down and have conversations? I heard this earlier today. I I think it was Chad who called, that we're losing the art of conversation. I didn't have time in the moment, but I don't think we are. One really cool thing that's happening is that while the traditional news media whether it's cable news or network nightly news or network morning news shows, whether it's in many ways the talk radio medium. I think there's good conversations going on talk radio, but there's also what I'm about to suggest. Uh, Whether it's Facebook or Twitter or other aspects of social media where there's this 
constant propaganda game going on and polarization and people are just at each other's throats. We, you know what I'm talking about, folks. And if you don't, look in the mirror. That's the rule. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you might be part of the problem. We all are part of the problem in some way or another. If you're engaged in politics, I've done it. Everybody's got an emotional reaction, or you, the culture wars, you tweet something, you post something on the book of faces, you get angry, and it goes down from there. And we're descending, we're devolving. 3,000 comments later. <laughs> right. But in the midst of all this sound and fury, mostly sig- signifying nothing, in the midst of all this craziness, there's been a new movement that's rising. And that is, number one, the world of podcasting. Now, I will say podcasting is a little bit different than, like, a radio show. I, I've i learned, because I love podcasting, I try to make my show a lot like it. Um, and the format of this show, we have two huge segments here. We have a pretty short bottom-of-the-hour break. I try to make it a pretty flowing conversation, or at least what I'm doing tonight, monologue. I'm getting a lot off my chest, and I thank you for hearing me out here. Oh, you're good, man. But podcasting is much more intimate in the sense that it allows people from whatever perspective and of whatever interest to do deep dives for as long as they want. They're not restricted by time constraints on a television network or on a radio network. They can pretty much go as short or as long as they like on whatever topic. Like, I mean, you could get a 30-minute podcast from Bill Burr, who rants and raves in a funny way and makes fun of his sponsors as he reads their copy, and that's a fun, stupid, you know, it's almost like candy in the morning. A nice little pick-me-up. Okay, that's fun listening to Burr this morning. Or you can get an hour-long wrestling podcast where a guy that you interview, the latest wrestler out there. Or you can get... A podcast about business wars like McDonald's versus Burger King and all the different business decisions the different companies made. or And that might be a 30-minute episode and it's serialized. Or you could get Dan Carlin's Hardcore History where it's five hours long and he's talking about like the Eastern Front of World War II. And it's a Herculean effort not only to make something like that, but to just listen to it. I mean, my point is there's so much variety in this world of podcasting. But my favorite thing that's happened are podcasts that allow for open and free conversation. There's, I don't know what to call them. It's one person called it the intellectual dark web. I think that's just, it's a little overdone. Fancy. Yeah. But it's just a group of people that feel like they don't have a political home. They disagree. They came from different places. They maybe used to be Democrats. They maybe used to be Republicans or Libertarians. On a religious front, it's atheists, it's Christians, it's Muslims, it's Jews. It's people that don't really fit into those categories that we think of, but maybe have thought about the topic a a lot. Somebody like Jordan Peterson. Um, you're getting people from all sorts of different backgrounds and specialties in academia and then people that have been very successful in business. And a lot of these folks have decided that the world is so crazy right now, we got to take a step back and actually talk to one another. And doggone it, folks, it's actually happening. Yes, I understand that people are lost in their phones. I'm that way. Most people I know are that way. Boomer or millennial or Generation Z, whatever age of all ages people i think have trouble focusing on the person right in front of them but if you just take the time there's been this boom in people actually looking at the person right in front of them putting their phone down having a two-hour three-hour four-hour conversation about the world trying to say hey i might say things in the middle of this conversation that i didn't mean I might be very well wrong. I'm limited in my knowledge, but we're here to talk, and this is why we're here. We're going to hash it out. And it's popular. That's the amazing thing. While the cable news networks and traditional radio networks and the political parties, and they all scream at each other, and they're trying to win power, there's this booming movement. And I mean booming. You're talking millions of people. People that are more viewers, more listeners than traditional media in many ways, who are trying to figure out the world with a different approach. 
So I think the art of conversation is actually making a comeback. But it's not being given its due by the traditional sources. Because I've seen it all the time. For instance, one guy that's a big pioneer in this is Joe Rogan. He just started podcasting because he thought it was fun. And it sort of developed into a, a... a mainstay of the podcast world. He's got millions of listeners. I mean, each it depends on the guest, but you're talking 10 million, 11 million people, if not more downloads. That's more than Sean Hannity gets, I believe, at night. I mean, that's it's incredible what's going on because they it's it's diverse too. It doesn't make any sense. Like if you had to go to a program director, they're like, "What's your format?" It's like, "Well, I'm going to talk about." Like Gobeki Tepe and ancient civilizations and how old was the Sphinx one night. And then I'm going to talk about uh, the have a debate with two guys over the medicinal uh, benefits of marijuana, whether it's crap or it's a miracle drug and miracle compounds. And I'm going to talk to a guy who just went across Antarctica without any aid of air power or and he did it all on his own oh and by the way he set world records by climbing like the seven or eight tallest peaks in the world he climbed everest and then three days later climbed mount denali in alaska and then also i'm gonna have my buddies around and we're gonna drink and smoke pot and we're gonna just have fun one night I mean, if you went to a program director and said, this is what we're going to do, <laughs> if you went to a TV network and said, this is what we're going to do, they wouldn't listen to you at all. And yet that right there, folks, is getting 11, 12, 20 million people listening to it and watching it. There's something going on that has me excited in that regard, that maybe the art of conversation and listening to one another isn't lost. Maybe it's that the traditional networks want you to think it is. And that the people who disagree with you, or maybe not even disagree with you, the people that watch a different source of news than you, are the enemy. That's what I'm starting to think. That division is good for their business. It's very good for their business. But uh, I'm, I'm hopeful about the future. I... I think that might surprise people. It's a sort of... I'm surprising myself. It's a turn I took. Seems like people are learning. Right. They're learning, and it's almost like the our better angels are out there. You just got to look for them. Yeah, you just got to find them. Yeah. I mean, if you look for the easy spot, the easy spot is what the other guys are telling us, because they're throwing it at us. Oh, constantly. And you got right, to look through it. Yeah. You can't let it get you. And don't get me wrong. There's been stuff I've heard on these podcasts it's where... It's crap. I think it's crap, but here's the thing. It's not like... It's opinions. You should expect it always to be good. It should it should be opinions. Yeah, and these guys will admit that they're just guys. And they're blind spots. Yeah. But we're here, we're trying to have the conversation. We're at least making the attempt. And it's just... I guess what I'm trying to get across is it's night and day compared to the political news I consume and have consumed for 10, 12 years now. Done it professionally or at least gotten a paycheck for it for 8 years now. It's so different than what's going on in the so-called podcasting world. It's a completely different approach. And it does make me think and I'm not sure how it's going to work out, that there's going to be a day of reckoning for these sort of legacy media institutions just focusing on media. There's one day. Maybe they are in fact becoming so polarized and stringent because they realize they're losing ground. But it should be anybody who's having a conversation and they have millions of people listening to them. It's not a matter of ideological responsibility like, "Oh, how dare you have on that person that I disagree with?" How dare... Like, there are classic things. There's a classic CNN interview where Christopher Hitchens interviewed the, like, grand master or whatever wizard of the KKK. And the reason he interviewed him is to meet bad ideas with good ideas and let people watch it. So I don't have a problem with... You can have on people that you think are terrible. 
But if you have a responsibility of, okay, millions of people are out there. How do I sift through all this disparate information, the fact that everybody has a platform now, and I present it to people in an interesting way? And the stuff is out there, folks. They're inspiring people that are doing amazing things. There are people out there who do it without any expectation of being discovered or having their story told. It's a great time to be alive. It really is. And even though I'm tired here on a Friday night, I push back and I realize life is good. Even when it's bad, it's good. Could be a lot worse. Right. And I don't like, as I started off saying, I don't like the fact that Donald Trump declared a national emergency. Why? Well, it's not a particular partisan reason. It's that we've been declaring emergencies for... At least, well, the, they're citing 1976. This is, number, this is number 32. Right. This is a deeper problem than any particular president, folks. I, I guess that's what I, I wish was more of the conversation in the legacy media, is the deeper problems. Like, when's the last time you watched somebody on Fox News or MSNBC, or hell, even NBC or CBS, sit down and have an hour-long conversation uninterrupted? Yeah, and when was the last time that you heard some guy throwing his, burning his mom and his brother down in the house you right. know, over some Cheetos? Right. And it's not even that. Cheez-Its. Your Cheez-Its, whatever. They're right. just blowing it. I mean, you're focused on the wrong thing. Quit trying right. to trick people. Right, and, you know, there will always be a place for the juicy news story yeah. with the uh, juicy headline. It's I mean... called satire, but they're selling it for real. Right, I mean, and there's always room for those quick hits and a little bit of news that's out there. But... I think it's very important that we reclaim and continue to support a movement of all sorts of people from all sorts of different backgrounds that are trying to reclaim, let's actually have a conversation. Let's actually dig in deep. I mean, did you expect, Seth, to be where you are today 10 years ago? You're now 36. When you were 26, could you even have imagined your life as it is now? No clue, man. No clue. No clue. Nothing. I I was. I mean, I had no idea, and I I cannot. I would have never have guessed that I'd be right here right now. Right. Yeah. Never. Not in a million years. You wouldn't. You probably didn't think you were going to be a father at this point. No clue. I didn't think I would have stopped drinking and had a kid and my right. kid was great. And I know. And I didn't. And I also see it with people that knew me back then that see me now. Right. The look in their faces. It's just like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, man, me too. <laughs> I'm just, I'm learning to be surprised. Yeah, it's nice to be surprised. Because it's, sometimes you feel like, and I was having this conversation the other day, you get stuck in a loop. Yeah, you feel like you know what's going to happen. Like you keep short-circuiting, and it's like, okay, time for the routine. Here's yeah. another routine. I don't know how, I'm in this one. And that, the moment of awareness, like, oh, I don't like this loop I'm in. But I don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, th- there's all these sorts of realizations out there, but... I don't know. I I find the the sound and fury frustrating some days, so I yell at it. Then I find it interesting other days of like, okay, it's people that are... How do we explain this? People are fighting over power. There's actually an interesting book that's coming out. I have to look up the title. But essentially the idea is this author went to the parts of the country where... People who voted for Barack Obama, 10% of the people who voted for Barack Obama voted for Trump. And so he visited that 10%, which, you know, your average Barack Obama fan or your average Donald Trump voter, they, you'd think it'd be night and day. Like, how could you switch your vote? And they might even think about this 10% as like, oh, you guess you're not principled. But no. There's something going on in the United States, especially in those certain parts of the country where that 10% who voted for Obama then voted for Trump. And he finds that, number one, there's a lot of change going on. Industries that were there have up and left. A lot of things that come with poverty, like addiction and strain on families and strain on faith and uh, just strain on one's hope for the future – and it's a it's time that we sort of step back and, and see the forest for the trees. It really is. Because the constant fight 
is not going to serve us very well. It has its role, and it always will in a democracy. But the constant fight should not be the, uh, the focus. I mean, I could go on and on and lament about $22 trillion in debt, but it, the, I think where we start is conversation. And conversation without overt agenda, without ideological fundamentalism or whatever the hell you want to call it. Like, hmm, maybe have, how long has it been since I talked to somebody who really disagrees with me, but who's a good person and I know they're a good person? I think actually most people who just do go about their daily lives have. Maybe they just don't know it. But uh, I'm just talking out loud, man. Just talking out loud. I want to think about birthdays when we come back. <laughs> like, have you had a really good birthday? Yeah, actually I have. Okay. Yeah. But is there like a particular one? Do you remember? Uh, there's a couple. We'll names. think about yeah, it. Go. We'll get hit this break. Before we hit the break, the show's brought to you by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. He's your full-service realtor. If you're thinking of buying a home, especially for a first-time home buyer, or selling your home, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is your real estate agent. Give him a call, 322-0662. For instance, you want to give him a call because he changed his own life by investing in real estate. He's been around the block. He knows all the pitfalls you need to stay away from and all the things you can do positively that'll up your chances of getting, if you say, if you're selling your home off the market quicker. Do this renovation. Do this quick repair. If you're buying, okay, here's how we negotiate certain things. Here are all your options. Eddie Bader knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to real estate. So give him a call, 322-0662. Again, that number, 322-0662. Eddie Bader with the Good Room. Folks, now the show is also brought to you by Four Healthy Pets on the Atlanta Highway, the Village East Shopping Center. Now, Seth, you just took a little trip over to Four Healthy Pets. What'd you pick up? Some meowawana. Meowawana? Isn't yeah. that illegal in Alabama? Not if it's catnip. Ah, yes, catnip. And they have different strains. This is Purple Passion. Purple Passion for your cat, Cheech. Yeah, for Cheech. Because you're the Tommy Chong to his Cheech. Exactly. Okay, yeah. nice. Nice. Does he really freak out over that stuff? Uh, I haven't seen him yet. We'll have to see. Yeah. But you showed me. It looked like contraband. Oh, yes, it does. It does not look It legal. looks like <laughs> you are pushing drugs. And people look at me like I'm nuts. But really, all you're doing is have, helping your cat have some fun. Yeah. And that's part of what they offer over there at Four Healthy Pets. They offer treats like Meowawana catnip or the chicken crack, the chicken yeah. jerky. Yeah. Stuff so good, or all sorts of all natural treats that are very healthy for your dogs and your cats, but also everyday feeding. You can get high quality all natural brands that are responsibly sourced that can you know be suited to your particular animal and what your pet needs. Also, toys that will last a while. You know, my favorite are the elk antlers. I've said this before, but it's, that's my favorite. They're, they're very, very good, but they also offer grooming services, especially if you're like a new cat owner, let's say. Oh, who wants to do that? Right. I mean, you just, maybe you go and so you can kind of learn, but they now have two groomers on staff, so that can go a long way. It could be your dog, it could be your cat. Teresa started Four Healthy Pets because it was her passion to really look after her animals, her pets. She realized, I can share this, I can start a business, and I can share this with the community, this passion I have for my own animals, and help out other people. So stop by Four Healthy Pets on the Atlanta Highway, the Village East Shopping Center on the Atlanta Highway, right next to Faulkner University, or go to fourhealthypetsonline.com. So... You know, I've had a problem with birthdays, Seth. What's that? I just turned 30. Yes. You just turned 36 today. Mm-hmm. You know how easy it was when you were a kid? Be like, what do you want for your birthday? 
It's like instantly. Woo! Toys. I know what I want. Yeah, squirt gun. Something. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I want a squirt gun. Yeah, super I, Soaker. That's what it was. I want the new video game that's out, whatever the yeah. hell it is. But how about now? Now. If I know I'm going to ask you. You could ask for anything in the world. Like, I'm a blue fairy over here. <laughs> I might want to rephrase that. But I... A I, blue fruit. I'm a genie. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. I'm a genie. I'm not an evil genie. I'm not going to... It's not... You're I'm not Will trying Smith to, genie. Right. I'm not trying to trick you into some, asking for something and I give it to you in a way that you didn't expect. I can grant wishes, though. In particular... I'm a genie that grants birthday wishes. I only grant wishes to people when it's their birthday. So, it's your birthday. You're 36. What would you like for your birthday, kind sir? Hmm. Hmm. That's man. That's a good it's question. A tough question. Yes, a tough question. I mean, As you get older. It's tough. I mean, you. When okay, I mean, like realistically. No, it doesn't. That. I'm a genie. Okay. Of course, I would be like. Old car. An old car? Yeah, what kind would, of old car? Because um, I can give you a piece of junk right now. No, no, I'm talking... Uh, it, it'd probably have to be the 65 GTO. 65 yeah, GTO? Yeah, I, I would want the 65. Why the 65 GTO? Because um, it's got the got the drop top, and it's that big boat, and it's, um, it's, it's just a real car, and it's just it's very soothing to There's drive. something about 1960s styling, uh, automobile styling, that is... It, some brands today try to recapture that and you have... You can't. But you can't. There's such, like, muscle to it. There's such shapes. elegance to oh. it. Yeah. It, it, it's remarkable. Um, my roommate really wants it. I now want it because I've watched enough videos of it. What is it? The 69 Ford Ranchero? Or it's almost like an El Camino. I think it's got like a truck bed, but it's a low to the ground. It's not a truck, it's a car. Oh. And it, it looks spectacular. But you would really... I am a genie, kind sir. I can grant you anything you ever wish for. You're really going to wish for a, a GTO, for Pro a car? Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh I mean, what, world peace or something like that? You know, that's... Uh, no, don't, this isn't a beauty pageant. I know, I'm just saying, why would I, would I pick something like that? Uh, would I pick a bunch of, big pile of money? No. Uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta think about it. You know, and I'm a right. simple guy. I, I'm simple, I... Uh, it's the little things in What's, life. Uh, okay, I'll put it to you this Let's way. see what, okay. How, I'm trying to uh, draw it out of you as, as your birthday genie. What makes you probably the happiest in this world right now i like doing this you like doing yeah, right this this if i wasn't here i would want to be here okay truthfully if i was not here 10 years ago i would have told you i'd want to do this that's what really that's it the, really is this is the dream this is the dream this is the dream that's why it sucks so much because if i screw it up there's nothing else <laughs> what if i told you we're stuck here for the rest of time that dream becomes a nightmare real quick yeah, you just gotta. No, we're stuck in this yeah. room. Yeah, they, oh, I'm you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Joey. I want to be you, man. I'm, I'm okay with sidekick. Hmm. So it would be to do radio. Yeah. Well, that, that I mean, I already granted that wish. Yeah, that's see? just normal. And then it's Joey talking. And, uh, okay, I'm 36, and I've had to think about what I wanted here lately. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm getting I'm older, you know, and I'm slower, and I don't really little things make me happy. So what did I want? I wanted radio, mm -hmm. and I wanted food. Mm -hmm. So I'm here. I've been here. This is hour number five, <laughs> and um, I went to I can't say the place. Can I say this place? The sponsor from yeah uh, Midtown Pizza Kitchen. Yeah, I went to Midtown Pizza Kitchen and got the uh, the the special. Yeah. Of the day, the, the chicken marsala. The chicken marsala. Holy, that's <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Oh, it was so good. Big chunks of chicken. So you treat it yourself. Yeah, I ate fancy food, man, and okay. it's the simple things like that make me happy, man. Or seeing pe other people happy and just yeah. yeah. But let me let me play the role of, of genie. Here All right, come again. on, genie. I can grant you anything. What if I told you that if you continue to be a good person? that tries to live up to his best self 
that reckons with his past failings, your current failings, and tries to grow and flourish on the things that you do well already. And you've already laid out some of those, like radio and... And also, it's great not to expect too much on, like, a special occasion. I think that's good, kind of not lowering expectations, but managing expectations. Yeah. But I'm saying, no, let's not manage them at all. This is fantasy land. This is imagination. But if you continue to try and strive to be a good person, that and when you are wrong and you realize you're wrong, you own up to it and say, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. What if I told you if you did those things, then not only will your daughter have an incredible life that will lead to her being her best self and continuing to flourish, but she will have children and her children's children, and they will go on and be, well, very prosperous, very happy, very hopeful in their own future. Would you want that? I don't need to make that wish because I'm already doing it. Yes. Every day, you know, it's a step and it's a pain in the ass. Well, but you know, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's but a, that's how life is. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm doing that. I, re- I really am, and uh, it's, it's a, it's a task every day. You know, right. it's like me quitting drinking like a year and a half ago, and yeah, it was a year and a half ago. But every day is like the first day, right? You know, and but there's a momentum to it, right? You just keep it up. Yeah, keep it up. You feel clear. Yeah, I mean, and every day you got to understand it's still going to be there. And realize it, and when the bumps come, take them. When the hills come, be happy about them. I don't know, that seems to me to be one of the most... The reason I ask that question, that seems to be like the fundamental deal we talk about, in particular as Americans, but hell, I was thinking of... I didn't mean to say hell, but I was thinking of uh, like God talking to Abraham. I was thinking of that is like one of the those timeless wishes people have is even if my i would like my life to be better and i'd like to be a good person but really what i want is my children my children's children and their children to go on and have incredible lives they may not i don't want it to always be sunshine and lollipops for them but i want them to you know take on adventure where it may come to be able to understand and realize when tragedy hits that there's still meaning in this world to fall in love, to take chances, do things, don't don't get stopped, don't question yourself, don't regret anything, just do it. And know? to have a little bit better life than you have, than yeah. I have. And that's the American dream. Yeah, and that man I feel well I guess I'm I'm living a dream, man. Chasing right. the dream. That's what I'm doing. But then it comes back to the original point yeah. this uh, early in the show tonight. Is that are we looking to keep continuing that dream? Are we looking too too close to the problem? Like, Are we thinking, okay, if we just win this next election, if people just say the right words, <laughs> you know, that's a big thing right now, language policing. It makes me think of a distinction. Um, George Orwell, he wrote a, I think it was published after he died, about his time in boarding school, in a British boarding school, called Such Such Were the Joys. And you can see actually in that early, him talking about his childhood and being in the boarding school that was very strict and very stringent. There were even teachers where there was corporal punishment and teachers would, even if a kid didn't actually have an infraction, didn't really do anything wrong by any reasonable standard, they could pick a kid out and paddle them or spank them or whatever they did just to make an example of them and show the other kids, I have the authority. And it made this distinction, and Orwell kind of understood this, and I worry this is sneaking into our culture way too much and we need to wake up. It's the distinction between telling, like, if you told your daughter, like, these are the basic rules, Rose, follow the rules. I think that's a fair game. And if she broke the rules, like, okay, you got to pay the proper, go to your room, or whatever it is, whatever the punishment is, and it should be proportional to whatever she did wrong. But what have you told, and it's back to this idea we want to be good people, what have you told your daughter, be good? Be a good girl. Be a good boy. And he didn't lay out a clear way for them to do that. 
So when they're trying to be good and they mess up, you come down harshly. It's one difference. It's the difference between following the rules and be good. Now, there's nothing wrong with trying to be a good person. My point is this. If you're just saying, you better be a good boy or girl, and you don't lay any clear path on how they can please you to live up to that commandment, essentially, then you are creating a situation ripe for tyranny. And what is tyranny? Arbitrary enforcement. I think that's going on a lot right now, where we're telling people by some opaque standards, be a good person, be a woke person. Oh, but also, it's it's not enough for you right now that I'm telling you these are the new standards. Like, don't be saying, you know, racist things. Okay, what if somebody tells you that and you grew up and you realize I shouldn't be a racist? Like, you realize that maybe too late, but you realize it at 30 years old. And then you live your life for another 25, 30 years. You're 60 years old. And somebody brings out something you said when you were 25. It's like, we told you to be good, and you did this when you were 25, so we're going to write you off. I talk about tyranny. And talk about how unfair that is. It, it's complicated, and I, I see that going on like right now, where there's a lot of people that want to point out folks' sins that they've already atoned for in some ways. Like, there's no room for that forgiveness. There's no room for error. And then even the errors are, sometimes it's clear-cut. Like, like the governor in Virginia or the attorney general, okay, you wore blackface, you big idiot. You shouldn't have done that. But sometimes it's like somebody says something, like, wrong. Like, I was listening to somebody tell the account of Norm MacDonald where he was sympathizing, empathizing with Louis C.K., like, what what Louis did was wrong to those young female comics, but I can also put myself in his shoes of what it's like to have this mass social shaming for what you did. And how do you get come back from that? How do you find redemption in that? And so Norm's empathizing, thinking about what that's like. And he then gets accused of caring more about Louis than caring about the the victims of Louis's inappropriate actions. And Norm, he's a comic, number one, is trying to process like, no, I don't mean that at all. And what he, he ends up saying is you would have to be, and what he's going to say, retarded, in order to think that's what I meant. But he realized in his head, oh no, saying retarded is offensive. So what does he come back with? Thinking on the fly. I think he's on Stern or some radio show. He goes, you would have to have Down syndrome. <laughs> oh, Which is much, much worse. Oh, that, that was... Much, much worse. Wow. But like people who know Norm MacDonald, I'm sure like, if you know the guy, he's not... He didn't mean it like that. Right. But it sure came out like that. It came out really wrong. But it, there's no, like, we, we kind of pick up these cultural cues and norms, and if somebody messes up, you should be like, okay, you shouldn't have done that. Now, now you know, you're still probably a good person at the end of the day with flaws, pockmarks and all. Now, I just worry that we have people out there who are pretending to be the moral authority on their high horse at the top of the hill, and they're saying to the world, we're going to make the thing, make things right. We're going to level the playing field. We're going to call out all the bad people. And so you better be good. But what they're really doing is acting like that teacher making an example of somebody. What they're really doing is exercising arbitrary power over other people cloaked in moral language. And even legitimate moral language. I think it's going to backfire on them. Yeah. Because, I mean, example is one person, not every person. Right, and I mean, I don't agree with the the actions of the people. Some of the people, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah. Some, I mean, you know, they, they did terrible things, but the the media it's going to backfire on them because they're doing it every time, and there's no way it's going to work. And the people are smarter than that. Well, and here's a lesson I've learned, like with this Jesse Smollett thing. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I think it's completely allowed. Even if you're a public figure and you're on the radio or you write a column every day or you're on television and you're expected to comment on these things, I think everybody, whether you have a thousand people listening or millions listening, should be allowed to take a step back and go, well, from reading TMZ and the local Chicago affiliates and police statements, I don't know what happened. I think people should be allowed to say... I don't know, and that shouldn't be seen as a sign of weakness. That shouldn't be seen as, like, a sign of, oh, oh, you're exposing yourself. No. It's strength. We don't know. Saying you don't know, it takes a person, a strong person to say that. Well, even with the latest news that now in custody are two brothers from Nigeria, who maybe know Mr. Smollett, even with that new information... It's like you can put two to do in two and two together. You can speculate. You're allowed the freedom to do that, but I think it's pretty healthy. And all, especially violent situations where there aren't really many witnesses, and you can take whatever example you want. This happens in the news all the time. For people to step back and go, "I wasn't there. I don't know." Let's stop taking somebody's individual life. It happened with the Covington Catholic School Boys and Nathan Phillips. Like, let's stop taking these personal moments and making them symbols for our collective battles. And just take a damn step back and say, I don't know. I just don't. Look at the many factors when you can that might have led to that moment in somebody's life. Instead of just ready to brand them, bad person, you can go to hell. We're on the side of the angels. Oh, if it was my birthday, that's what I would wish for, is more people to admit they don't know all the facts and that the truth is really pure and never simple and that if we're really striving to be good people, we're going to fall a lot along the way. But if we actually strive to be good people without calling out other people all the time to show how good we are, Uh, then maybe our children and our children's children will have that American dream. Judging people doesn't work. You just got to look at somebody and you got to understand that it's, I I see a person, but you know nothing about them by what you see. Yeah. It's a blank slate. You got to actually do some work. Yeah. You got to talk to them. But we're out of time. Thanks, man. Happy birthday. Yeah.